Welcome to another In the Telling Scrap episode, segments that are too good to be left on the cutting room floor. In this scrap episode, Vivitira author Candace J. Thomas gives her DIY tips and tricks for writing and publishing. This scrap episode is sponsored by Anthony Buck. Anthony Buck has been teaching people to sing with greater ease and strength and more beautiful tone for over 10 years. His students successfully sing musical theater, pop, classical, and even rock music. Let Anthony help you meet your singing goals. Email atb at anthonythomasbuck.com to schedule a lesson today. And now Candace J. Thomas. I um, I actually love that we're talking about world building because it seems that the the only nonfiction book I could find of yours was um, about world building. Yes. And you just gave us like a solid piece of advice for anybody who listens and wants to be a writer. Uh, what are some of your other tips that, because I feel like granted uh, vampirish takes place in a world that is similar enough to my own. That, it's, um, it's, yeah, it's contemporary. York, so you've been to New York. You kind of experienced yeah, it. <laughs> but there aren't vampires in my world. So it's still, you're still having to build like this whole uh, under underworld situation that's like right before people's eyes. And I feel like it's very acceptable, believable. My suspension of disbelief is not taxed mm-hmm. um, in this situation. So what other kind of things did you talk about in your tips for how to like build a solid world? I wrote a series, my Vivitira series, which is on a complete different world. You come up with an idea and this is a really great idea and you start writing it and furiously figuring it out. But there comes a point where you don't know how the world functions. And that's really important that you figure that out. And you have to start with the genesis of it. A lot about the how, how the world was formed and the mythology that goes behind it. And you, you don't have to go into religion, but the mythology has to be there. Especially when I was creating a world functioned on magic and the magic has to do it was very organic in the beginning so you have to start with those structures okay well how did the magic become so important to this world just figuring out the genesis the mythology and then building up to i mean of course everybody figures out a map but you got to figure out government and you got to figure out money and you got to figure out class and and race these are all really fun. It's absolutely so much fun to create all these little things. And a lot of a lot of the times what happens is authors create a lot of backstory on their races and on their geography of the world that nobody ever sees. Sure. And it just it sometimes comes into a, little, a play a little bit about like in my third book, I really I created this, you know, this mythology about this magic, and I never really got a chance to talk about it until my third book. And the third book starts off, this was really great. I started off with kind of a poem that this is the history of the magic. And I was so excited that I got to use this because this was part of my, you know, my world building pile of, of stuff that I had, which I still have like lots of people have lots of notebooks and lots of you know, spreadsheets that nobody ever sees. There's a mountain behind the little words that we put out there. But we have to be super confident in what we're writing in order for it to be believable, you know? So, yeah. that's, you know, it was, it's, it was fun for me to actually tell that story of the, of the genesis of the world 
in that third book. So uh, if anyone's curious, you can go read it. <laughs> that's, <laughs> I that's love where it. it is. It's so much fun to share. Just so much fun to share that. Do you, do you, does that happen often though, where you'll create something for your world that you're like, I really love that, but it just doesn't belong yet. And then it just, it never belongs. And you're like, but I have this thing. And at some point I really want someone to see it. Yes. And that happens, honestly, it happened just within the last couple of weeks. So I, what happened with my series is I, I retained my rights from my publisher. So um, I re-released it under my own publishing company. And all of the Divitera series or just the mm-hmm. third book or, okay. No, it's all, all three of them are coming out under my own indie press. But one of the things that I really wanted to do was it was originally traditionally published and they reorganized all of my chapters and they cut the first original two chapters. And I wanted to bring that back into my, into my series, but I, but then I thought that was unfair. It's, it's in audio as well. And I didn't want, that's, that's a bigger problem if, if I wanted to add those. I didn't think they would be fair to the audio listener. So I didn't. But what I did is I created this little like this little like special gift that if you meet me, I will give you this gift. If you buy my series and uh, you can go and read those first chapters. Oh, nice. Like an exclusive. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, it's exactly. I just I wanted to include it to my readers, those people that need me and that that are connected with what I'm writing and follow me on things. I wanted them to feel that how much I appreciated them. So I, these two chapters I felt were really important to the story and they were pretty integral to the relationship between my main characters, meaning um, Xander and Naomi and the kind of danger that they were in and the situation that they were in, which you just don't feel the same kind of connection when the book starts off with just Naomi just running off and disappearing. I really wanted to bring that back and let people read it and uh, experience that. And I'm glad that I have the chance to kind of do that in my own way, to kind of reintroduce that to them. I feel like filmmakers have that um, avenue sometimes when they release like a director's cut, but I can't think of a term where this happens in publishing because it doesn't, it must not happen often. Not really. I mean, if they can do special editions or an omnibus, something like that, where they're you know, including all of the novels together. But for me, it wasn't right. That's to to include it back in. And uh, I, I don't know much about other other authors doing that either. <laughs> um, I think it's a really cool way to reward a, a loyal and an excited and engaged readership, though. That's awesome. I want to ask you about self-publishing, because I feel like a lot of do-it-yourselfers and people who are like, I would be a writer, but... That's the part that they have a lot of questions about and it's the part that scares them, but it's also the part that seems like it might be the most viable way to begin. So what are your thoughts on self-publishing? I don't think that self-publishing is for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll tell you a quick story. I'll try to make it as quick as possible. I tried back in 2010, I tried to self-publish and that was just when the darlings of Create Space was coming out where you could actually, it was very easy for you to create your own stuff and just put it out there. And uh, it didn't need to be edited. It didn't, it just needed, they had like cover design. You can just put your words and get it out on a book and hooray for you. 
problem is you're building a brand. It's not just your name is always going to be tied to this. So I decided to, because I was making a, a few mistakes when I was trying to find a, an agent. Those are mistakes that I that I realize now what I was doing. I was targeting the wrong agents, period. I should have been doing fantasy instead of going for the young adult, which I was doing. Oh, and that's not really an overlap. There's not like young adult fantasy agents. No, there really is not. I mean, here's numbers. If you're doing a young adult and if you're agenting young adult, your novel, your first novel for a first time author needs to be between 60 to 90,000 words. That's around 300 pages. If you are doing epic fantasy, which I was doing, my manuscript was 130,000 words. And so I should have been agenting, agenting, that's the word, agenting the epic fantasy agents instead of, because they're more willing to take a chance on that big word count instead of the young adult. Young adult, all they see when they see that huge word count is that this needs to be edited way bad. And when you're doing, like, if you have proven yourself, like it's your third novel, fourth novel with an agent, they're willing to take, yeah, 130K, that's totally fine. We trust you. But as a first-time author, you're not going to get that. Sure. Um, it's getting lots and lots of rejections, and it was discouraging. So I decided to self-publish, and after a dismal start, I shelved it. Um, it wasn't right, and I didn't have the confidence in my writing to do that. So I decided to find a small press. Small presses are more willing to take a chance, um, and they believe in the integrity of your novel. And I found a publisher that did really well with me, and I really liked them. So when, But that was in 2013 when I first released my, my very first novel. And it went really well. They trusted me and that we did the whole series through that. So my contract was just up with them. But after being five years in the business, I had learned what to do. And I had learned that I had outgrown them, honestly, because a small press can only do so much. They did a big marketing push, but then it's all left to you to do the rest. I mean, I did, I did all the things, but I couldn't, I didn't have control over my sales. I didn't have control over my price point. I wasn't, I wasn't making enough on it to make it worth to have these books. I just kind of felt, I, I say it, the kitties in the kennel. They were over there, just sitting there mewing at me and I couldn't do anything <laughs> about it, you know? So um, when my contract came up, I had to make a really big decision. If, if I wanted to self-publish, I needed to do more than just self-publish. I needed to indie press. Do an independent press means more than just, I wanted to make it good quality, I wanted to get into the back doors of publishing because that's a lot of people don't understand. You can just put up Amazon and you can just do eBooks. And if you're a romance novelist, fantastic. That's really where your market is. But for young adult, it's not because your market is not the people that are reading eBooks. Those it's the mothers. You're the, you need to target mothers because your, your teenage audience is not the ones that are going to be purchasing these books on Amazon. So you have to be able to get in the back door, meaning you have to get into libraries. You have to get into schools. You have to find your audience a different way. And in order to do that, you can't just put something up on Amazon. Yeah, there is, there is a craft to it. You have to be very thoughtful about going in and doing that 
correctly. And that's what I wanted to find out. So it took me, I mean, my rights were up in May of last year, 2018, but it took me a good solid till January to really figure out what I was doing to make sure that I had the uh, enough know-how in order to make things work. And so everything, my first book was re-released in February of this year. And I'm just kind of doing it in succession because they're already out and I don't want people to wait for them. But so far, I've gotten a lot of hits in libraries and a lot of schools wanting it. And I'm getting lots of just reviews that I would have never gotten if I hadn't have taken the right avenue and become an indie press. Publishing the written word is its own thing that I, I don't know nearly enough about yet um, as a storyteller. But it seems to me from what you're saying that if somebody wants to, to self-publish, there are different tiers of that. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm getting the sense that the best way to figure out what's right for you is you got to talk to somebody who's done it and be like, yeah. this is what I want to do. You need- Am I looking at the right stuff? Right, exactly. And you just be aware that your name is your brand. If you put out crap, your name's going to be tied to that. So you got to think about the little things like editing, about cover design. The person I was before I published is different than the person that I am now. So I've always written. I've always been creative. I've always wanted to be a writer. I never believed that I would write books because there was a lot of words. Honestly, I wanted to do picture books because that's not very as many words, but I found that my voice was really good for young adults and I liked my characters and I really wanted them to succeed. I didn't realize that I could write, I could be so wordy and I liked plot and I liked situations and stuff. Before you're published, the world is just so big and you ha- and you have like endless possibilities and once you are published i i mean that's the ultimate goal your dream has just come true you actually have a book and it's out there and people are going to read your words and that's one of the problems is people are going to read your words and not everyone's going to like your stuff and that's kind of hard yeah cuz i was like everybody's going to love this book no no there are people that will not like your book and they will say so And they don't care. They're just going to put that out. And the other thing is just talking to people about your book because you have to become a face for it. Um, As I said about building your brand, here you are, you're, you know, like Comic-Con or Fanex or any of these other writing conferences. And you have to talk to people and people are like, so tell me about your book. And you're like, you just become like, because you know everything about your book and you don't know exactly how to pinpoint. So talking to people it can be can be hard. Not that you're talking them into your book, but you just want to connect with them on a reader level. You have to build armor when you become an author to go out there and face those demons that come your way because it's because it happens and you have to kind of build, you know, thick skin because not everyone's going to like your stuff. And you're going to get those one-star reviews and it's going to hurt. It's going to sting. But the point is you still have to believe in yourself and you believe in your work because so many people take that one negative review and just internalize it. And it's destructive and it can kill your creativity because I've felt that sting before, but you got to keep going because you have, you have something to say. Uh, Authors have an audience especially young adult audience, they're fantastic. And they, they have such a fresh brain. 
they just absorb everything that you're saying, especially when you when you get them really young. Like I, my series is really young. It's for the young. So I say like 12 and up. But if I can remember those books that I read when I was that age are forever imprinted in my brain. I can yeah. always remember that. I can recall A Wrinkle in Time, even though it's been like so many years ago, I it can recall it so fast. And when you get that audience that young, they'll be with you forever. They're so loyal. And so just trying to find your audience and speaking your voice to them. I mean, it's life-changing for the author and for the reader. 